Amen, amen. Crashing the Chatterbox. That's Mr. Chatterbox himself. So as we continue this series, uh, this is our second week of this series called Crash the Chatterbox. On last week, uh, we introduced uh, this notion of what the Chatterbox is. It is basically that, this, that it is the repetitious noise of the lies of the enemy that continue to circle around in our heads uh, that keep us from hearing the voice of God and walking into the destiny that God has for us. And so, uh, believe it or not, uh, we all have a chatterbox in our mind. It is those, the, it is those, those, those lies, that noise that continues to, to keep us down, continues to keep us not focused on what God wants us to do. And we talked about, and we're going to talk about over the next four weeks, beginning this week, is that there's four primary uh, areas that the chatterbox works. He works uh, in insecurity, which we're going to talk uh, about today. Uh, he works uh, through condemnation. Uh, he works through discouragement, and then and then the the fourth one is that he works, and I just forgot that fast what the fourth one is. Well, that good good that'll be the last one, amen. But there are four, there are four. See, sometimes the mind just plays tricks on you. It's my chatterbox. He's telling me he wants he doesn't want me to remember. But if I remember, I'll let you know. But we do know that's why I have visual aid here that we want to counteract. The chatter, the noise in our head, what, what God says. And that is, God says I am, God says he will, God says he has, and God says I can. Thank God for visual references. Amen. All right, so this week uh, we want to continue, um, but we, we want to talk specifically about what God says I am. And so uh, we have to give a title for this sermon. It is, I know I am. Everyone say that, I know I am. I know I am. We remember that the premise of this series is basically this, that the voices we respond to will determine the future we experience. The voices that you listen to and that you act upon will determine the future that you experience. If you continue to hear what Satan has uh, and the lie that he puts in your head, that will determine what your future looks like. Rather, if you listen and hear what God has, is saying to you and how he wants to direct your life, then you will experience the future that God has destined for you. Today, we want to specifically deal with the lie of insecurity. The lie of insecurity. We want to start with this scripture reference, and we're going to, we're going to go through the story of, of Moses and Exodus. But we're going to start here with Psalms 139, verse 14 through 15 should be on the screen, and it says, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was, when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. This is a, an amazing and beautiful passage of Scripture. For God here is telling us through David the writer that God created us and he just didn't make us any kind of way. That it says that God made us fearfully and wonderfully. That, that in essence that God just didn't throw us together. It wasn't an afterthought. It wasn't something that he just decided to do one day and not really thinking it out. But God, uh, he created us in a wonderful way. Have you ever wondered, and, and people try to explain it so many different ways, but have you ever really sat back and thought how intricately made we are? How, how interesting that the body is, how it works and how the mind works and how the mind is able to control all aspects of the body. That's just something that just doesn't happen, amen? 
And so that lets us know that, that, that we are precious and we are important. We are a wonderful thing in the eyesight of God. The unfortunate thing, though, is many of us don't really believe that. And so we go through the day and, and we think about all the negativity and all the, the, the problems and the things that we perceive that are negative about ourselves. We talked about in Bible study this past week that somewhere on the Internet they said that we have over 80,000 different thoughts that come through our heads in a day. It's a lot of thoughts. And, and it also went on to say that a majority of those thoughts are negative. And a majority of that negative thinking is directed towards ourselves. Many of us live lives that are being dictated about our insecurity. And we are uncertain and we're anxious about ourselves. And as a result, we lack the confidence that God wants us to have. Mm -hmm. um, if you think about what, what are the things that you are insecure, whether it's, it's your physical self, whether it's your education, where you came from, um, what you have, what you don't have. The bottom line is this. We all have some level and form of insecurity. This brings us to the first really thought that I want us to think about here today. And it is, I am never blank enough. I'm never blank enough. This is, this is the thought that runs through most of our minds on a daily basis. We, we go back in and when we're encountered with situations, we'll say, I'm never experienced enough for this job. Or I'm never good enough to, 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 to do certain things. Or I'm not patient enough with my children. Or I'm not consistent enough. Or I'm not strong enough. I'm not loved enough. I'm not rich enough. I'm not organized enough. Awesome, pretty, tall enough. Day after day after day, we continue to recount in our minds that I am not enough. And that is what the lies of the enemy uh, tries to do to us. That the bottom line is this, that he wants you to believe that you are simply not good enough. That no matter how hard you try, no matter what you do, no matter where you go, you are simply not good enough. That's the chatter that we hear in our heads. And, 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 and it's interesting as we talk about this, that, it, that the Bible gives us many examples of, of, of individuals that have had this problem of insecurity. Feeling that, that they are not good enough. And so we want to use just one example for the rest of our service today. And that is the example of Moses in Exodus, beginning in Exodus chapter 3. And this is where we find Moses when God is speaking to him at the burning bush and calling him to lead the Israelites out of slavery. Exodus 3 simply says this, and in paraphrasing, it basically talks about how that Moses, who now uh, was married and living in the, in the land of Midian, he was one day tending the flocks of his father-in-law, Jethro, when as he was passing by, he looked up into the mountain, and he saw that there was a bush on fire. Now, granted, Moses had seen burning bushes many times before, and that was just a common thing in the region that he lived in, but this bush was different because it was burning, but it was not being consumed with the fire. And so Moses decided, the Bible says, that he would climb up this mountain and that he would go check it out. Now, most of us would not have that kind of courage, right? We'd be like, that's weird. Okay, whatever. We'll keep on moving. But some of us, like me, that are curious, and we say, I got to go check this thing out. 
And so when Moses climbs up the mountain, he goes and when he gets to the burning bush, he says that the Lord God called to him out of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses responded, here am I. It is, good. it is interesting here that, that Moses recognized the voice of God. This was not his first encounter with God. He, he recognized who he was. He, he recognized that whoever this is, they know my name. And so he said, here am I. The Bible goes on that God tells him, do not come near. Take your, take your shoes off for you're standing on holy ground. And then God says, Moses, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob. And Moses at that point recognized what was going on. That now he is standing face to face with God himself. Can you imagine what it would be like to stand face to face to God and hear him audibly talk to you? That was an amazing experience that Moses was dealing with. But then God goes on and he says, I, I've seen the affliction of my people. I've seen what they've been through. And Moses, today is the day that I have made a decision that I'm going to do something about it. But guess what, Moses? I'm going to do something about it, but I'm going to use you to do it. I want you to go down to Egypt and I want you to tell Pharaoh that I said, let my people go. Now, have you ever been in a situation like that where somebody tells you to go do something and tell them that I said, you know what I mean? Think about how you respond to that. You want me to go tell them that you said, I don't know about that. And so this is where we find Moses. That God is speaking to him and he is saying, Moses, I am calling you to do something great. At that point, Moses could have been excited, right? I'm before God. This is awesome. God is right here in front of me. God is calling me. He's giving me a specific assignment. He picked me. Man, this is great. I'm on fire. Let's go to Egypt. Let's do this thing. No. Moses began to let the chatter box run rampant in his mind. And it brings to the next point is that I am so dysfunctional. This is what Moses says, his response to God. He says, God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Who am I? Who am I to go down there and tell the king? Who am I to go and, and demand that the people be let go? Who am I to lead these people out of captivity? God, remember, I am not enough. Moses was working from his position of dysfunctionalness. I don't even know if that's a word, but it's a word today. It's a word today. Dysfunctionalness. Don't look it up. Just go with it. See, see, Moses had a little insecurity about this calling. The reason being, if we back up to Exodus chapter 2, Moses, in fact, grew up well in Egypt. He was a Hebrew, but yet the story lets us know that he grew up in the house of Pharaoh. He was living large, had all the access. But one day, Moses decided that he wanted to go check out how his people were living. And when he went down there, he saw that his people don't live like he lives. And that they're being oppressed and they're being persecuted. And then it went further that one day, Moses saw that an Egyptian soldier was beating up one of his, his Hebrew brothers... And he decided to take matters into his own hands. Now, usually that doesn't ever work out good, right? And so he took matters into his own hand, and he, he accosted this, that Egyptian soldier so much so that he killed him. And as a result, now Moses became a, a, a fugitive from the land of Egypt. He was working from the fact of his dysfunction to say, God, don't you recognize that I am a murderer? Who, who am I? 
to do what you called me to do. I'm dysfunctional. I'm messed up. I, I can't do that. If I go to Egypt, they're going to kill me. They're gonna, the people aren't going to believe me because they're going to say, hey, aren't you the guy that killed the Egyptian a couple years ago? That, that, that is what most of us operate from. When God is trying to call us, when God is trying to tell us, when God is trying to lead us, our response to him is, God, who am I? God, I'm messed up. Don't, don't you know who I am? Don't you know what I've done? Don't you know where I've been? Don't you know that I was in jail? Don't you know that I did drugs? Don't you know that, that I cheated on my wife? Don't you know that, that I haven't been a good parent? God, don't you know what, what I've done? I'm dysfunctional. I'm messed up. God, who am I to be used by you? The problem here is that Moses was more concerned about who he was and not as concerned as he should have been about who God was. God said, Moses, I want you to go and I want you to tell Pharaoh. He didn't tell Moses to, to do anything else but to be a mouthpiece. And many times we, we are so far ahead of God and what he's calling us to do that we're trying to figure it out. God, you, you called me to plant a church, but if I plant a church and I got to find a location and I got to do advertising, I got to do this and I got to do that. And I, God, I don't think I can do this. And who's going to follow me? Because, you know, I'm messed up and I'm dysfunctional. And God, I got issues, you know, and they'll probably see my issues and then they won't follow me. They might follow me a little while, but then after a while they'll realize what I'm really like and then they won't want to follow me anymore. God, who am I? But God didn't ask us to think about it. Because the moment we start thinking, that's the moment that we open up our minds to the lies of the enemy. Who am I? So we see here, we still don't think we're good enough. Because we're stuck with the same issues we had before Christ came into our lives. Before we were saved, we were doing our thing. Once we became saved, we recognized that our thing wasn't God's thing. And so we asked God to clean us up. To We wanted to repent. We wanted to go in a new direction. But yet we still live our life dictated by what we used to do. And friends, if we have let go of that, if, if we have been delivered from that, if, if we have, have moved on from that, well, we've moved on from it physically, but yet we're still holding on to it in our minds. God is saying, let go. And so just like Moses, we're standing at the burning bush before God. And instead of hearing the voice of God, we're too busy listening to the chatter, telling us, remember when? Remember how? Remember what? And God is saying, all I want you to do is follow me. You ever wonder how God knows us so well, but yet he still loves us so much? The Bible is very specific about that, that God loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son. Don't get, get it twisted. God knows how messed up you are. He, he made you. He's walked with you. He's watched you. He's laughed at you sometimes when you did some really dumb stuff, and then he's nodded. He shook his head when you did stuff that you knew not to do, and then he's been disappointed in you, and other times when, when he tried to help you, but you still did it on your own. But the bottom line is this. Through all of that, God still loves you. If we could only, only celebrate the fact that God has something for us to do. In spite of how dysfunctional we are, messed up we are, mistakes we made, he still wants to use you. And so God, so God, he 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 he, he listened to Moses. He 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 indulged him. 
What the Bible says is that, that as Moses continued to let the chatter, God said, okay, let me, give you, let me give you some help, Moses. It goes on to say that God told Moses, okay, I know you're dysfunctional, but here's the thing. Okay, here's, I want to give you some help. Then take that, 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 that staff that you have in your hand, throw it on the ground, Moses. Moses throws it on the ground, it turns to a snake. God says, pick it back up. Picks it back up, it turns back to a staff. He said, now, Moses, look at your hand. Now, I want you to pull your hand out. Uh, of your jacket. Okay, my hand's good. He said, now put it in your jacket. Now pull it out again. Then his hand has leprosy on it. He said, now put it back. The leprosy was gone. God had given him sign after sign, showing him, Moses, this is not about who you are. This is about who I am. See, I've already equipped you to do what I've called you to do. But even after all of that, and God said, look, 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 Moses, I, I have some, some more signs that once you get there, I'll tell you what to do, and, and these things are going to happen. But Moses, in spite of standing before God at the burning bush, God giving him signs that were cool, he still was skeptical. And so what does he do next? He makes another excuse. And then it leads us to the next thing where he says, I am so deficient. I'm so deficient. Exodus 4 and 10 says, after all this, after all of that, the all God then shows you. He says, after all this, he says, oh, my Lord, I'm not a good speaker. I can't talk. If you not notice, I stutter a little bit, and it's going to be kind of difficult for me to go down there to Egypt and tell Pharaoh to... You know what I'm trying to say. The chatter is still going in his head. For now, Moses said, okay, God, you you done look past my dysfunction dysfunctionalness. Don't look it up. He said, but now, man, I'm just deficient. I can't do that. I can't do what you asked me to do. You want somebody to go talk, and guess what, man? I can't talk. I'm not a good talker. And it's some pretty good stuff, right? It's pretty good stuff. Because don't we do this? Don't we do this? We'll come up with an excuse. I mean, you know, we'll come up with an excuse. You know, you, you, you just ask somebody, especially in church, you ask somebody, hey, can you, can you do this? We're like, oh, well, you know, we'll, we'll come up with some stuff. You know, I mean, the very thing that you ask somebody to do, they'll, you ask them to go walk down the hall, oh, well, you know, I got a bad knee. You know, you ask them to pick up, oh, I got a bad back. You ask them to pray, well, I don't know about prayer. Don't you pray every night? It's no different. Praying in front of people. We will do just like Moses, and we will continue to throw out what our deficiencies are. And that's what the, that's what the devil He's playing in our minds. Once he say, you, hey, man, you messed up, but then he'll start telling you, hey, hey, you, you, not only are you not good enough, not only are you messed up, but hey, you, you, there's some, you got some problems. You don't work right. You can't speak right. You can't, the thing that God wants you to do, you, you can't do it. But friends, think about this. Is not God the one that made us? Now we go back to, to Psalms 139 where he says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. 
But yet, we oftentimes spend our time focusing on what we think are our deficiencies. Paul uh, used this example uh, uh, in, in one of the epistles where he talks about, God, I could do more for you, but I have this little physical ailment. He called it a thorn in my flesh. I have this little thing that is holding me back, and if you could fix this thing, then I would be able to do more for you. God said, Paul, that's good. I recognize that, and, and hey, I hear you, but guess what? My grace is sufficient. That, that, that the bottom line is this, that if you will stop worrying about your deficiencies and start worrying about the fact that God is able to use you in spite of you. All right, all right. See, see, the thing is, is that if Moses was able to be an eloquent speaker and go down there and, and, and speak, you know, and, and, and with an eloquent tongue and use big words and, you know, just really wow the people with his speaking, Moses might have taken the credit for himself. The people would have started saying, man, Moses, you're such a good speaker. And because you're such a good speaker and you presented such a great case, Pharaoh, let us go. See, God wants to work in the midst of your deficiencies. Your deficiencies are just opportunities for God to get the glory. That, that's what the Bible talks about, a, a time where a, a man was born blind and his disciples asked Jesus, uh, that this man born blind, who, whose fault is this? Did his parents sin or, or did he sin? But somebody had to do something wrong. Why is he blind? Jesus' response to him was none of the above. He said the reason why he is blind is so that my glory could be fulfilled before you. See, see, your deficiency is not even about you. It is so God, when he calls you, he can show the world that in spite of what you think and what others think are wrong with you, I can use you anyway. And, 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 and you can tell them, hey, in spite of, look, I'm not even a good talker. I don't even know how I'm doing this. But, hey, guess what? I do know this, that God, when I get up here and speak, he takes control of my tongue. And now he can get the glory. That's what... That's what we should do. But we just like Moses. And God had to tell Moses this. The Lord said to him, Moses, who made man's mouth? Who makes a man mute? A man deaf? A man sing? Or a man blind? Is it not I, the Lord, now, therefore, go, and I will be your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. God comes back and says, Moses, who are you talking to? I know you can't talk. I know you're deficient. I know that you have problems. I know that you're messed up. But if I recall correctly, I am the one that made you, right? So, 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 if I'm not worried about all that, then why are you? Oftentimes, the chatter in our minds keep us so worried about the reasons why we can't do what God is asking us to do in our lives. When God is saying, why are you worried about that if I'm not worried about that? Oftentimes in the church, we worry about, uh, we come in, we, we are so judgmental about people, and they need to be this way and that way, and they need to be a certain way, and, you know, they, they come to church, they got to do this and do that. But, but guess what? If we'd all take a step back and say, hey, we all messed up. 
We all deficient. We all jacked up. We all got problems. The church is not a place for perfect people. The church is for uh, people that are messed up. That's why we're here, because we're messed up. It's a hospital to get some help so that we can get what we need in order to be used by God. So God is saying, Moses, I will be your mouth. All you got to do is go. I will teach you. I will show you. I will instruct you in what to say. But Moses, Moses, Moses still wasn't good enough for Moses. He said, now God, man, what am I going to do? He called me. I told him I was a murderer. I was dysfunctional. He had something for that. I told, his, I told God I couldn't speak. He got something for that. All right. Here, here it is, God. Here, I got, here it is. Bottom line is, God, I don't want to do it. Send somebody else. I don't have no more excuses. I don't have nothing else. Just bottom line of it is, I don't care what you say. I don't have no confidence in myself. So let's just get this over and pick somebody else to do this. Amen. Take us to the last one. I'm so doubtful. Now, here's, here's a, take a step back for a moment. Because here's the problem with what Moses had, what he did. Is that when he told God that he couldn't speak and then he kept, he kept battling with God, going back and forth with, with, with God on that. God, in turn, said, you know what, okay, fine. If you can't talk, I'll, I'll send your brother with you, Aaron. You know, Aaron, your brother, he's a good speaker. I'll send him with you. Isn't that a bad thing? God tell you to do something and you just like, you know, we do that with our kids, right? You tell one kid to do something and they just don't make it for Well, you know what? You know what? You, I'm going to send him with you and y'all go do it together. Because now, now I don't even have confidence in you no more. And then that's what God did to Moses. Moses missed out on the blessing that God had for him ultimately because Moses was making so many excuses. God didn't need Aaron and Moses didn't need Aaron. But God used Aaron, but in the end, Aaron became a thorn in Moses' side. Because in, in the end, once they got out of Egypt, it was Aaron while Moses was up in the mountain talking to God. He was in the valley making a, an idol God for the people. See, sometimes we, in, because we're so deficient and because we don't want to let go of stuff, we have to, God has to bring somebody else alongside of us that can help us up to a certain point, but, but will be our hindrance in the long run. And, and, so, and so we have to get out of that mindset and we have to say, God, I can do it. I can do it. God, I will do it. I don't I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I know that you will. So he said, send somebody else, God. I can't do this. Wow, can you imagine telling God that? We do it every day. God, man, I cannot do this. Plant a church. No. Can't do it. Share the gospel with somebody. Can't do it. Live a Christian life. Ooh, yeah, that sounds good, but man, can't do it. That's for somebody else. Typically, the chatter that pushes us to doubt God can be silenced. We can, we can silence the chatter that, that, that tempts us to question God. Moses was not doubting God. Moses was doubting Moses. It's the chatter that tells us to doubt ourselves that that's what causes us to be crippled. The insecurity can be also an insult to God. Because, see, what happens is, and, and, and this is how the chatterbox works in our minds. 
that it would be one thing if the chatterbox said, hey, in our side of our heads, hey man, you, you can't do that. You're not good enough. You can't speak good enough. Then, then, then we could argue with that, right? Because then we know, hey, somebody's talking to me. You're saying, you, 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 you can't. Oh, wait a minute. No, I can't. The problem is that the chatterbox speaks us in first person. So he speaks in our minds as if it's us speaking. That's, that's how the devil works. He says, no, I can't do this. He, he's speaking for you, but he's speaking on your behalf. I can't do this. I, I'm not good enough. And so you can't, you're not going to argue with you. Well, you can't argue with yourself. Some of us do. But, 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 but you're not going to argue with yourself. You just go, go with it, right? Yeah, that's right. I, I can't. I can't. I won't. I will, I'm not able. And so Moses' insecurity insulted God. Because when we second-guess our abilities, we ultimately question God's craftsmanship. We imply that he left something out whenever he made me. The nerve. We question our insecurity, saying, God, you messed up. Don't you know? Can't you look at me? You messed up. You left something out. You didn't give me what Jimmy had. You didn't give me what joy had. You didn't give me uh, what, what other people have. And so how are you going to ask me to do this? Because you left something out of me. I can't do this work. Mm -hmm. I'm broke. Mm -hmm. you, didn't, you didn't make me right. Mm -hmm. But friends, you know what's really interesting about this passage, as I said, is that Moses constantly was doubting himself, but not really doubting God. Mm -hmm. And friends, God is just saying, man, I believe in you. Mm -hmm. right. I wouldn't have called you if I didn't believe that you could do it. God's not foolish. He, he, he knows all of this. He, he doesn't call us. He doesn't, he doesn't assign us. He doesn't direct our lives if he didn't think that we were capable. All he wants from us is for us to trust him. Trust him. Trust me, he says. I can All that other stuff, that's good, whatever. Just trust me. And so at the end of this story, Moses, after all that doubt, he said, Lord, send somebody else. And God said, mm-mm, it's you, Moses. Moses said, man, I'm, I'm stuck here now. He said, well, well, if I go, God, who, who, who am I going to say sent me? I can't go down to Pharaoh and say, hey, let the people go. He said, he said, who, who am I going to tell them sent me? And this is really getting to the crust of our sermon. He says, tell them that I am who I am. Send me. God says, I am. That's it. Jesus simply said it like this as well. He said, the I am. The guy didn't say that I was or that I will be or he, he said, I am. I am. Whatever moment you're in, I am. Mm -hmm. If it was yesterday, I am. Today, I am. Tomorrow, I am. Mm -hmm. So whenever we find ourselves uh, in, in the predicament where, where the chatterbox is telling us that we can't, all we have to remember is that God says, I am. We're just not defining ourselves, but, but we are defining how we view God who made us. Mm -hmm. 
when we accepted Christ, we took his name, and when we have the spirit inside of us, and so whatever he is, guess what? I am. See, I'm, I'm no longer just me. I'm no longer just my deficiencies, my, my, my dysfunction, but I am who God has made me and called me to be. I am everything that he says I am, and I have everything that he says is available to me. Friends, the primary goal of the enemy is to get us to surrender our identity in Christ. Stop calling ourselves the things that are contradicting God by saying that, that, that we can't when God is saying, hey, all you need to know is I am. And friends, when the chatter goes off in our hearts and in our heads, telling us that we're not good enough, that we're dysfunctional, that we're, that we're, uh, that we're all the things that, that, that it's saying that we can't do, remember this, that I am able. God says when you're not good enough, he says, I am. He says when you're not smart enough, he says, I am. He says when, when you don't have the strength in us, he says, I am. He says when, when you don't think that you look good enough, well, guess what? I am. He says, whatever it is, God is saying, I can be the I am in your life. And if we go around thinking and saying to ourselves that I'm a loser, I'm no good, I'm stupid, I'm unlovable, I'm disgraceful, I'm a failure, I'm worthless. Friends, let me tell you something. You just not putting down yourself. You putting down the God that's in you. And God is wanting us to realize, look, you can think all you want to about you, but let me tell you something. If I'm in you, I am everything you need. I am able to help you to overcome. I'm able to deliver you. I'm able to set you free. I'm able to bless you. Whatever it is you need. He says, I am. You see, when we say that, we are putting the nature of God, we're elevating it in our lives. Because if you're in Christ, if Christ is in you, it tells us something. That Christ says, you can do all things through me. He says, you are more than a conqueror through me. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never turn my back on you. I will never let you down. Whatever I have called you to do, I have prepared the way for you already. He is simply saying to us, friends, I am. I'm everything you need. In your life. Despite your dysfunctions. Despite uh, uh, your deficiencies. Despite your doubt. He says. Just think about that. I am. When God says. Go. You say God. Who am I going to tell them? They're not going to believe me. Because they know I'm dysfunctional. They know I'm, um, I'm deficient. They know I'm a doubter. He says you just tell them that the I am. That I am sent me. That's all we need to know. That if we hold on to the promise that God tells us that I am 